Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes. Welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app, Apple Podcasts, of course, or turn us on every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Normally, Niall Kitson joins me, but uh, today, as the Americans would say, he's on assignment and we'll have an amazing interview uh, from that assignment for you on next week's show. However, uh, Niall will be here with an interview that he did earlier in the week with War Ducks, who are a Dublin-based games studio, and a great interview it is too. But first, just a quick look at one or two of the headlines that have been making news this week. And I know that you are tracking your shares in Apple that you invested in maybe 30, 40 years ago. (laughs) Apple sales are down. That's the headline this week. Apple sales of iPhones are down. Headline news everywhere. And I know that you're crying. You're going, oh, no. How much have they gone down? Spare me the worst of it. Break it gently to be dusty. Apple sales of iPhones in the first quarter of this year compared to the first quarter of last year are down 1%. That is the headline. Uh, Wall Street and uh, the stock markets didn't take that too kindly, though, and uh, Apple shares were down 2%. So I suppose it all has an effect. And when you're talking about the amount of money that Apple deal with, it's a lot of dollars at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, However, Apple did have some good news, and they said uh, a lot of their other businesses, like the iCloud and stuff like that, but particularly the App Store, uh, revenues have increased with the App Store up 18% to $7 billion. That's not a year. That's for three months. Seven billion dollars. So even though the headlines might be saying that uh, Apple sales are down of the uh, iPhone for uh, 1%, it's not all bad news. Uh, Tim Cook uh, did have an explanation as to why they had slipped slightly. He said it's because people, there's a slight, how did he put it? There's a slight pause in sales. A pause in sales. Only a salesman could come up with an explanation like that uh, because he's saying a lot of people are waiting for the next edition of the iPhone to come out so they're delaying their purchase. And maybe they are because this year, believe it or not, is going to be the 10th anniversary edition of the iPhone. It was 10 years ago that it first hit the uh, market. So perhaps that's what's going to happen. That's the big headline anyway uh, this week in Tech News. The other thing, though, that is really exciting us is a new bit of kit that's come out now. I don't know if you were like me, but I would constantly begin all the electronic stores. I'm always looking out online for the latest gadgets. And I'm finding it harder and harder to find something that I want because always when it comes to Christmas or my birthday, people are going, what would you like? Please tell me something I can buy you because you're impossible to buy for. And nowadays, normally I would say, oh, I need a new MP3 player or I need one of those new touchscreen phones, blah, 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 whatever it happened to be. Now I'm like, uh, I don't know. However, that is until... Today, uh, when I jumped up and down for joy, when Microsoft announced that they were bringing out the Surface Laptop. Not one of these, you know, there's your Surface and then you can attach a keyboard to it and it's all uh, rinky-dinky and portable and stuff like that. No, this is a proper Surface Laptop. And it looks very, very like the MacBook Air and it's very comparable to the MacBook Air uh, price-wise and the tech that is in it as well. And the reason why I want one is because I have a MacBook Air and I run Windows on it. And Windows runs very well on my MacBook Air, I have to say, but it ain't perfect. So I would like a genuine kind of Microsoft uh, thing. 
Now, to be fair, I do use the MacBook Air for Mac. I've got a dual boot thing on it, so I'm able to use my uh, media creation uh, stuff on the on the other side of it. But having a dedicated Microsoft Surface laptop is good for me. If you're interested in it, the specs are actually quite nice. It's got an i5 or an i7 processor. It's a 13 inch screen, full HD. Uh, you can start off with uh, an SSD hard drive in it from 128 gigs, ranging up to I think they'll do 512 gigs uh, in it as well. The 16 gigs of RAM come with it. Uh, they're making a big thing of the fact that it's 1.2 five kilograms which i think is five grams lighter than the macbook air like you're really going to notice that and the battery life is pretty good as well you get a 12 to 14 hours out of it so i thought wow amazing all my prayers have been answered i now get windows 10 running on an actual windows machine that is very like my macbook air except it does everything that i needed to do not so For a start, they're not running Windows 10 on it. They're running Windows S. Now, I was joking in the office because we're all going, what does what does the Windows S stand for? And we figured like maybe simple Windows simple because it's a cut down version of Windows 10. I jokingly said it was called Windows S for Windows Steve, like they did with the uh, the iPhone 4S. (laughs) <laughs> didn't go down too well with the Apple heads. However, uh, yeah, it'll only run a, a simplified version of Windows 10. And that simplified version has got one really, really bad thing, my friends, is that it will only run software that you have downloaded from the Windows Store. So if you have uh, software that you bought on CD or that you downloaded from elsewhere, won't run it. If you've got iTunes, won't run it. If you've got Google Chrome, won't run it. Only run software that you can get from the uh, Windows Store. And I think that is a major no-no, especially for the price that they are charging it at, which I'll tell you in a second. It'll surprise you. Um, you can upgrade to a full version of Windows, but that's going to cost you another 50 quid. Uh, the, the other thing that surprises me about this, and I suppose this is where they are making their comparisons, is they're comparing the Windows Surface, the Microsoft uh, laptop, to Google Chromebooks. And they're saying it's a nice simplified version. You could just download your apps and it's light and it's da-da-da-da and all that kind of stuff. Now, this I would understand and I would understand the restrictions if the Surface laptop was priced at the same price as a Google Chromebook. But no, you're not looking at 250 or 350 quid for this thing. They are pricing it uh, just under what you would pay for a MacBook Air, $999, which would probably be 999 euros. Actually, no, it would be more than that, wouldn't it? No, they'll price it 999 euros just to keep it under the grand. Uh, that's what they'll go for. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. If I'm going to pay a grand for a laptop, I want something that I'll be able to run the software that I want on it. Uh, I don't want to have to pay extra to upgrade my system. I want to be able to run iTunes. I want to be able to run Google Chrome or whatever the heck it is that I want to do. So I don't know where the game plan is. Niall and myself were talking about it yesterday and we were very kind of mystified. Why have they made this MacBook Air-like computer and the Surface laptop and the Surface and everything has a great name and a great track record and we absolutely love it. And it's great to have a Windows equivalent of the MacBook Air, if you like, or the Apple have an equivalent of the Surface laptop, whatever you want to look at it. But having similar units from both of the two major tech companies is fantastic. And then you can choose what you want and they're roughly the same price and da 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 But no, Microsoft have decided to go down the road of comparing their Surface laptop at the same price as the MacBook Air with a nice cheap Chromebook. I just don't understand it. It's, it's, it's kind of kind of 
completely beyond me at the moment. So, yes, I was very, very excited on one hand to be able to say, yay, Microsoft have got a Surface laptop. I want one. And then when I started looking into it, I went, well, uh, 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 hang on a minute. Um, so I don't know. So maybe it's just a case of the uh, nice people at Microsoft going back to the marketing department and say, get the message right out there. Anyway, that's what's happening in the news this week. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Right now, let me play you our interview for this week, which is all around a company called Wardux, who are a Dublin-based studio that develops games and experiences specifically for virtual reality, one of our favourite topics. Now I visited their office in the centre of Dublin to chat with CEO Nikki Lannan to find out more about them. I'm in the middle of Dublin City today to meet with Nikki Lannan, who is the CEO and founder of Wardux, which is a VR studio. And uh, let's just jump in to, to this, Nikki, because um, Dublin is rapidly becoming a hub for VR. There's there's already a pretty vibrant community there and uh, it's it's growing. So tell us a little bit about your background, because you, you don't come from a game development background, per se. Uh, no, I don't. Um, so... Uh, I actually started working in Facebook. I was there for almost five years uh, and I worked as part of the games team there. Um, my role was actually marketing related, so it would be very much uh, looking at the analytics of games and um, how games are marketed. Uh, I then uh, set up Wardux um, and I suppose I came at it more from a commercial standpoint or a business angle. Uh, I, did, I, I don't know how to develop games at all. <laughs> and that's actually quite a refreshing perspective because you, you would have been looking at not necessarily sort of the code behind games, but what, actually, what is actually working with people? What do people actually respond to? So uh, when you set up Wardux, how did that uh, inform your approach? So I didn't look at the code behind games at all. Uh, very much what I was looking at was how games were monetizing uh, their marketing activity, how their market ac- marketing activity uh, was working, uh, what countries were working best, that sort of thing. So it was very much um, looking at a, a very, very dis- different aspect of games uh, and I suppose how games are successful. Um, so that meant I came, uh, when I set up Wardux, I suppose I came at it from a, a very different uh, angle I uh, our game first game was a hidden object game uh, which was uh, on Facebook and mobile uh, and so that game uh, we started building it because hidden object games were very very popular at the time and they were doing very very well um, and uh, in terms of you know development for our first title they weren't it's a, a very much a storytelling experience. So we knew that for our first project, it would uh, it would be kind of an, a good one for us to tackle. Uh, and when you're looking at, I, I guess, starting in the in the casual game space, you're looking for sort of that that little Candy Crush moment, really the the simple idea that that ends up becoming compulsive or, or viral. Um, how do you find th- this trend is? Uh, entering into VR because I guess there's there's two schools of thought happening at the moment there there is the you know the the high end with the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive where they're they're linked in through this the Steam store and you you are getting high level games starting to creep in there uh, versus sort of the casual games that people are enjoying on the Samsung Galaxy Gear so from your perspective were you looking at the gear and going this is a great laboratory uh, or testing ground. 
Yeah, so uh, after we launched that Facebook and mobile game, Global Agents, we launched, uh, we decided to pivot into VR um, for a number of reasons. Uh, user acquisition costs on mobile had gone very high. It's very difficult to um, publish games without using, you know, self-publish without using a publisher. So we decided to pivot into the virtual reality space. I suppose we looked at virtual reality, we thought... Uh, we we all tested it. We all, all were amazed by it. Um, it's obviously the future. Uh, and we built a, a game called Sneaky Bears, which was for the Samsung Gear VR. So it was for mobile VR. And that game is actually a very, very casual title. It's very much a point and click. Um, the reason we built for mobile VR first is because, you know, to build for those bigger desktop VR devices like PlayStation VR, HTC Vive, Oculus Rift. It's a much bigger project. It's a very, very expensive operation. Uh, For us, we were able to test out the popularity and the concept of Sneaky Bears. And, you know, virtual reality is very new. You're trying to figure out, you know, what people will enjoy in that environment and what they won't enjoy. Um, you know, Sneaky Bears came to number 28, I think it was number 24 in the top selling. Uh, and then we launched a, uh, an experience called Sneaky Bears Roller Coaster, and that came to number two, which was just behind Minecraft. So we realized people really liked the brand, they really liked the concept, the you know, the stats are really positive. We could see people were spending like, you know, 15 minutes on average in Sneaky Bears. Uh, so we decided to invest in that title further uh, and build for those, um, you know, those bigger, higher end devices like the PlayStation VR, Oculus Rift and HTC Vive. It's quite a pragmatic way to to approach game development, really. And it's a, when you are looking at the data, the hard numbers behind how people are using it. But I, I guess it's also important to have sort of a direct line of feedback where you can a- actually ask people you know, yeah. what what is working for you and what isn't. I have to say customer feedback has been one of our most important assets to date. And a lot of the changes that we make in our games are because, you know, we have testers coming into the office consistently trying out um, our games and telling us what they wouldn't, you know, what they would like to do or what they would enjoy to do in in that environment um, virtual reality is pretty new so we you know even with sneaky bears when we first launched uh, uh, we created a simple prototype which we created I think over a two week period uh, and I run the Irish VR meetup uh, which um, takes place every two months and it's kind of an opportunity for different uh, VR startups to come demo what they're building get people's feedback and then also we have like a few guest speakers at each one uh, and so we demoed uh, sneaky bears at that and there was a queue of people and so we realized people enjoy the gameplay people like this within the virtual uh, environment uh, and then it was a, a good way for us to invest in building the samsung gear vr version and following on from that now the playstation vr oculus rift and htc vibe versions and in terms of building that community, uh, how, how big are we talking at the moment? I mean, I, I, know, I know having sort of access to one's peers is so, so important in developing software. So how big is, is the talent pool in Dublin really for VR right now? Yeah, so it, it, it is growing <laughs> 100%. Uh, 
there is a lot going on within the virtual reality space here. Um, there's definitely within Ireland, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a large interest within virtual reality. Um, we're seeing it growing quite a lot. Again, it's it's early on. Um, you know, there is areas that are difficult, um, obviously, to recruit for. Uh, and, you know, it's difficult to get people who are really, really experienced in virtual reality because it is so new. Um, but it's definitely growing. And there is such an ap- appetite here for people to learn more about virtual reality. You know, all of our meetups, like they, you know, it's a, it's a free event, but they're, they're always fully subscribed. Uh, so um, the appetite here is very, very large for viewer. And well, I'm quite fascinated by your game development process here because you have sort of um, started small and built upwards. Um, when you build upwards, I mean, it does mean that you're crossing into more elaborate devices, more expensive devices, and one would imagine quite a different demographic that is using them. So uh, when you are scaling up from the the um, Gear VR up to the likes of the Oculus Rift, what sort of um, concerns are you bringing with you? Are, you? are you worried, for example, that what works in a casual game won't work with the guy who's used to sitting down and playing Call of Duty for one, two hours at a go? Yeah, like you have to take all of these uh, kind of uh, thoughts into into play. You know, you have to bring them into play. So what we did, um, you know, we looked at Sneaky Bears. Sneaky Bears is a casual game. It's still a casual game on PlayStation VR, Oculus Rift and HTC Vive. Uh, so it's still going to be a casual game. But we knew we had to bring elements that would um, appeal to that demographic that we were now um, building for. So we actually hired an ex-PlayStation game designer who designed out a much more lengthy version of the game with a lot more strategy and a lot more elements that will appeal to that demographic. We do know that a lot of the players that we have already are that demographic because the early adopters on VR are that demographic. It's it's a crossover there. Um, but just, you know, we, we couldn't have brought the simple game that we have on the Samsung Gear VR onto PlayStation VR and expect for that to be sufficient. It, it just wouldn't work. We had to um, invest a lot in, you know, uh, in making it a, a very, very high-end, very, very uh, highly polished, um, strategic type game. And one of the conversations that I, I seem to keep having with um, people that are working in AR and VR gaming is what exactly do, does VR bring other than, you know, uh, that you can't get already, say, with a very big screen and um, uh, a first person shooter, for example, you know, to, to which, ex- you know, how different is the experience or what has to arrive to make that experience so different that you can finally go, okay, this is the killer app. This is the point at which we can go, okay, you just can't do this with a first person shooter. How far along do you think we are in that conversation? So, I mean, there is a big difference of, you know, looking at something on a screen or being actually part of that something. So being, you know, actually immersed in that environment, feeling like you're part of that environment. Uh, that is a big, a big game changer, really. Um, and it really does, you know, you're, you're fully immersed, you're fully aware of your surroundings, you're really, really part of that experience. And that makes all the difference. I mean, it's just, it's just a much, 
you know, it's a it's a much fuller experience all around. And something that is uh, that to me is becoming quite unique in virtual reality is this division between games, uh, which you're which you're working on at the moment, uh, and also experiences, which you which you touched up, uh, upon. Do you think that there is going to be this divergence where it's almost going to get to a stage where you will have one store for games and one one store for experiences, just very narrow, very focused? You know, this is what it's like to be in a roller coaster, or you know, this is what it's like to be stuck in prison, which is something that the the Guardian experimented with. A while ago yeah i think that they are about different things you know like with uh, games you know you have to be actively using controllers or um actively uh doing something within that environment uh, with experiences you sit back and you experience whatever that might be um i think a lot of early users of vr enjoy experiences because they don't have to think about anything else they can just you know sit back and enjoy this new environment that they're in it's very very new uh it's something that people are still getting used to so you know having nothing to think about while in that is is ideal uh, so um you know i think there's definitely going to be uh, I suppose a genre for both of those types of uh, uh, games and experiences and that was Nala Kitson speaking with Nikki Lannan CEO of War Ducks who you can find online at www.warducks.com that's about it for this week remember you can get more on all the Irish tech news with hourly updates daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech show online and every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra next week Nala Kitson will be back with me as usual with that interview that he is out recording today so until then from myself to Roads. Have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you next week. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.